Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just put it to the side. Just make yourself available to whatever it is that God wants to do with you right now. And hopefully you're you're practicing putting things aside on a regular basis so it's become a normal part of your your every day, your every every moment that you can just make yourself available to God and this will grow your confidence, your abilities for your abilities, your supernatural, your solical abilities to flow more easily and just give you a a greater sense of connectedness and receiving God's love as you are learning to just turn to him. That's really, you know, the crux of everything, the the foundation of everything we're, we're about is to cooperate with God in what he's already doing. We don't want to be fighting against him, and we don't want to be neutral. We want to be working with him. Sometimes there's going to be conflict. There's going to be times when your soul wants something different than what your spirit wants. In fact, there's going to be a lot of times that your soul wants something different than your spirit does. And But your spirit's going to win out. The, the life and the power and the, and the authority is in your spirit, not your soul. But your spirit, as part of God's spirit, is gentle and merciful and kind and gracious toward your soul. So he rarely forces himself on us. Instead, he, he draws us. The goodness of God draws us and draws our soul toward him. Now, at the same time he's doing that, he's also letting the things that we have relied on fail. So it's like our ship is sinking, even as he's throwing us the, the life preserver. His timing is... Remember, he's created time, so he's in complete control of it. So when you're looking at, okay, my ship is sinking here in this situation, you know, I have no other place to turn to, yes, you do. We always do. We always have another option. It just may not be what we want. It may not be what we think God would do. You know, we have this idea about, God is only a certain thing. He only blesses. He never, he's never corrective. He's never, he never lets us fail. You know, the whole idea of being in the center of God's will being, you know, the result will be that everything is always great. One of my former bosses, when I was working at a, a large ministry, when he first came to, a salvation experience and began to get to know God, 
he would actually pray that that God would keep the police away from his drug deals. And it took him someone t- took someone coming up to him saying, "You know, that's not something you should be doing anymore, the drug deals." And that was a shock to him. He just figured God was going to bless his drug deals. And and that's a, an obviously an extreme case now, and he laughs about it now, and we all did. But we have the same problems. We have the same perception that if we're well-intended, God's going to bless it, even if it's not something that he has created, he has designed, he has desired. You know, we can look at prayer, and, and so often our prayers are much more about our will our desire for people or a situation, rather than putting the situation in God's hands and allowing him free reign. We want God to interfere. We want God to do what we want him to do. And a lot of times what we want him to do isn't something he wants to do. So, Part of our projects, part of our the habits we're learning is to be able to ask, to turn to God first. Lord, what do you want to do here? What is your purpose here? Is this something you want me to do, you know, pay any attention to? Now, a lot of times we carry around burdens in our soul that God wants to relieve us of, burdens of of wounds and rejection and believing the wrong things and and generational curses, things like that, that are real, that, that are in our own lives, that are in your life, that God wants to work with us. He doesn't want to just rip them out. He he loves us. He wants to, he, he wants to be gentle with us. And, Again, do that, you know, take away, you know, let your boat sink while he gives you that life preserver to preserve the soul that he's given you, the great gift. So he's not out to just, he doesn't want to just rip the boat out, you know, out from under you without having that life ready, without you ready for it. To see the the life preserver coming, it has to, he has to be, timing is important. And he doesn't want to do things without our cooperation. Because, again, one of the things that he wants to develop within us is appreciation. He wants credit for that reason. Not because he needs honor and glory or recognition, but because we need to develop appreciation and gratitude. But, you know, if we're paying attention to what's going on in everybody else's life, and we're standing around thinking, okay, I need to get everybody praying about this situation or that situation. And somehow it's gotten around that it's about the number of people to move God's hand. You know, somebody's in the hospital or somebody's, you know, run away from home or there's this big, you know, cultural thing, whatever it is, that, you know, we got to get a prayer chain going. And it's got to have this number of people. And I challenged somebody about the whole concept of a small group meeting, that you can't have certain things. 
You know, God doesn't move in large groups. He only moves in small groups, group meetings. And, and it's chaotic when he does things in big meetings, so he doesn't do that. And, and I challenged him. I said, so what's, what defines a small group? And that, this was, I think, like, you know, uh, prophetic utterances or something that, was, that they, they were trying to make, get some kind of control over. Um, and they were saying it, they can't have them in the large groups. They could only be allowed in the small groups. And so my challenge was, well, how many people in a small group do you allow then God to speak through prophetic utterances? And they had a number, and I can't remember what the number is. But then I said, okay, so if somebody in that small groups, in that small group brings a friend, then God can't speak in that small group because somebody brought a friend and they they you know they struggled with it and then they said well yes because that was the rules that was what they had decided would please God because God is orderly and organized and he would never condone what they considered to be chaos there had to be some kind of order so somebody had to take charge and put parameters on how he moved. And I just said, I'm sorry, I don't see any basis for that in God's nature or the scriptures. And of course they couldn't, you know, accept that there's, you know, has to be a leader. And, you know, we got a little bit into that as well. Let's save that for another day. But the whole point being, we have our own motivations, our own reasons for deciding what God can and can't do. And the more we can, don't worry about getting too caught up in disentangling your beliefs about those. God will do that. But focus on what he wants to do in your life. Those are the things that will matter. What God is doing in your life is what matters. That doesn't mean to ignore what's going on in other people's lives, in your family, in your, you know, um, in your community, in your neighborhood. Not to ignore that, but understand that, that that's not where your first opportunity is, your first devotion. Your first devotion is what's going on in, in you. You you are God's purpose. He doesn't need your help in what's going on in your family. He doesn't need your help in what's going on in your neighborhood, your community. And in actuality, he doesn't need your help in what he's doing in your soul either. But he wants your involvement. He wants your awareness. And the more we are aware of what he's doing within us, again, restoring our soul, the more we are cooperating with him, the more likely he is going to let us see and let us be involved in what he's doing in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our world, in time, in, you know, in history, how, whatever because we will be able to see things clearly and not through a glass darkly. Because that filter that Paul talks about, through a glass darkly, it's 
It's our own beliefs, our own wounds, our own hurts, our own misconceptions about who God is. So we see, we have our own idea about, okay, this is what God is doing. So in order to get God to change what he's doing, we have to pray. We have to do something, make God change his mind. When really God is, I don't need your help here. Now, one of the, our challenges is, is to understand what is going on in the supernatural realm. And we've got this whole other, you know, other side of the coin of what influence God wants us to have. For instance, using the, the term intercession, what is that from God's perspective? I would say that intercession is speaking life into the supernatural realm, into the natural realm, according to what God has already revealed and is already doing that we are partaking in. Intercession is where God is including us in what he is already doing. He's going to do it anyway. God is sovereign, but he wants us involved. So he puts that burden, that desire, that thought, an area of our soul that has been healed, that, has, that hears clearly, that sees clearly. And it, it, I'm not talking about a perfection in your soul. Our souls have, have had generations and thousands of years of wounds that need to be uh, restored in our soul. So it's a, it's a spectrum, it's a, it's a time frame. I don't think anybody's done it yet where there's been a soul that's been fully restored. Even Jesus did not have a restored soul because his soul was always intact with his spirit. But no one else has ever had a restored soul. So nobody's ever become one, spirit, soul, and body. So the expectation is is that, okay, it's not something we're, okay, let's get there, and then we can start really cooperating with God, really seeing how he's doing things. No, where you're at right now, God wants you involved in what he's doing. But it's going to be on his terms. Not because somebody else says, you need to be praying about this. Or, you know, in order, to, in order to be a good Christian, you need to be involved in that. Or believe this. Or follow that. Now, we're all, none of us has a full understanding, a full grasp of God's nature. We don't even understand the supernatural realm. We, we barely have a, have a grasp on the natural realm. But to think we can comprehend the nature of God, the nature of spirit, with our finite mind, our finite brain, let's let go of that. Let's let God be the God. Let's let God be the one who is deciding what we should be focusing on, what we should be cooperating with him about. 
And some of the things that happen when, as we do that is we find out where we get our strength, where we get our contentment, our self-satisfaction. It comes down, it comes, we'll come back to what we perceive is what is a good Christian. You know, a lot of times we'll think about, okay, what's a good Christian? So we, we picture someone who's active in the church. You know, they're um, always there. They're always involved. You, you need somebody to volunteer. They're the, they have their hand up. They're always putting in the money in the, in the um, you know, for the special projects besides tithing, of course. And, you know, a lot of times you just never know what's going on in their lives. You ask their kids, their kids are estranged from them. The only thing holding their marriage together is the shame if they split. You know, nobody would want to have a marriage like them. But because they do things like Christians should, they're considered good Christians. That's not God's idea. That's not the way God sees things. Now, one of the things that God is is doing, and we could even maybe even call this an ability. You know, we talk about other abilities, the ability of the word of wisdom, of of knowledge, of healing, of miracles, of faith, believing for something that we aren't that doesn't fall into another category. That's that's where I'm kind of going with this whole idea of faith where he asks us to do something that has never been done before. So a catch-all. Anything else that doesn't fall into another category falls into the ability of faith, that, that you can say you can see what God is showing you and agreeing with him, going there with him and saying, okay, God, let's do this. And speaking life, speaking truth, speaking what he shows us into this natural realm, and sometimes even into the supernatural realm. Now, we are so estranged from the supernatural realm, and yet we're existing there. You, Right now, you are part of the supernatural realm. Your soul is. It always has been. Just as much as your natural body has always been a part of the natural realm, your soul has always been part of the soulical realm. And your spirit is spirit, is part of the spirit realm, which is God. Now, that's only true if you're born again. If, you're, if you've not been re-spirited by God, you don't have that connection to living God. That doesn't mean you're not in God. Because the supernatural realm is in God and the natural realm is in God. Even if you're dead spiritually, your soul and your body are still in God. Because everything's in God. There's nothing outside. Heaven is in God. Hell is in God. Everything in between is in God. There's nothing outside. Nothing outside of his control. Nothing outside of his creation. And we can't comprehend that, or we don't want to. We want to have, again, this is how God is, this is what he does, this is how he works, and this is how we can get on his good side. 
So that brings us back to the supernatural abilities. And if we start looking at these supernatural abilities as simply what we can be working on while God is doing the hard things in our lives, while he is restoring our soul, we can be learning, preparing ourselves. It's like going to boot camp, knowing that there's a war going on. You want, to, you want to just jump in and help God with what he's doing. And he's saying, no, first you need to learn what your weapons are. And we could even refer to your abilities as the weapons of your warfare, as Paul did. The warfare is not in the spirit. It's in the supernatural realm. Everything's settled in the spirit. The battleground is the supernatural realm, the battleground of your mind, your will, and your emotions, and how they function in the supernatural realm. That's where your enemies are. There are some enemies in the, in the natural realm, but really the, the ones that we struggle with are in the supernatural realm. There are no enemies in the spirit realm. There's only God. And we are in him. And everything else is in him. And here we are. We are, we are you know, what, what did Paul say? We are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And every time I read that, I go, uh-uh, you're wrong. <laughs> we are. We are very ignorant. We don't even want to talk very often about there being a devil that we are to do something about. The devil and his buddies, his little cronies, the little critters, are there for us. We are, you know, the whole concept of, of warfare means we are engaged in a battle. If we had no enemy, we would not learn how to use our weapons, how to, how to com- be engaged in warfare. If God didn't want you to do that... All he needs to do is save us and then take us to heaven. And we've talked about this before. There's, a, there's something that happens while we're here on this earth in a body with a soul that he can accomplish here. And I don't know whether he can accomplish it the same way in, in whatever comes next or whatever came before, but I know there's things that he has set aside to accomplish in us for the time that we are here on this earth. And being just practical, it seems like it would be a good idea to focus on that, to focus on what he, he has crafted, what God has crafted for our earth time. Let's focus on that. It's like going to, you know, if you were in, in high school, and you were had studied hard for a math test, and you were all ready for your math test, and then you went to your history class. And it's like, no, I, I want my math test. It's like, well, no, this is history. We, we have to be on the same page. We have to be learning what God is teaching and not just saying, well, I want to learn about this like well i'm teaching history today it's 
great that you studied for your math and everything, but we're we're working on history today. Let's be on the same page with God. There's still going to be tests. We're still going to have to study, but we're going to be on the same subject matter. And that starts with what is going on in you, restoring your soul. You know, bringing every thought into captivity, bringing your emotions into captivity, bringing your your decision making, your 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 good judgment. Going back to that's what we could even call that good judgment and ability, because boy is it lacking, especially in the Christian church. Who whoever said that? The sheep follow, were to obey another sheep. The sheep follow the shepherd, not another another sheep. And a pastor or a leader is just another sheep. They're not the shepherd. God is the shepherd, and only God. And yet so many Christians, so many believers, abdicate their relationship with God in favor of believing and following and even wanting to please the leader of their movement, the leader of their group, or even a spouse, or even a friend. When really, you know, relationship with God is one-on-one. You and him. That's it. That's the church. Called out to be with him. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. He says, come follow me. Are you? Are you coming? Are you following? Are you with him? Are you pursuing? Are you walking on his path? And it's a simple path. You know, and sometimes it's too simple. Sometimes we want to do something big. We want to be involved in, oh, we see this is going on. This could really use our help. And, you know, that's something we can, uh, you can easily ask. Lord, is that something you want me to get involved in? And sometimes he'll say yes, sometimes he'll say no. And he will, you know, odds are, if you want to get involved in those things, odds are he's going to say yes more often when it doesn't usurp the time and God's opportunity to do what he wants to do in your life. Like there is no no substitution for giving God time and and opportunity, your being available to Him. If you were to go out and fix, you know, feed all the poor in the world, that would not be a substitute for what God wants to do in your life. If you wanted to preach and and you know have a perception that you've saved the lives of every you know the souls of everyone in the world. That would not be a substitute for God's personal relationship with you and him accomplishing, restoring your soul, restoring your mind, your will, and emotions that he wants to do in your life. You are more important getting done what you think, what you perceive needs to be done. And we can rest assured that you know, all those other people, oh, what if I went out and, and I convinced everybody to follow God? Well, first of all, you can't. Anybody you go out there and, and save, if, if they are actually converted and 
That's God. It has nothing to do with you. It would have happened without you. Because only God revealing himself. He's the only one who knocks on the door and enters when the door is open. You can't do that. And only God opens the ears to hear. Let him that has an ear, let them hear. He's the only one who makes the heart ready. And you will be used and available more the more you understand what God is working on. Again, it goes, uh, you know, go back to my illustration of you're sitting at the table with a whole bunch of other people and you're having a big dinner with, with God. You sit at the table and you're sitting next to him and he says, pass the salt. And you don't think about it. You just pass the salt. He says, okay, pass the green beans. You, you, you pass the green beans. He says, okay, go raise the dead. There's a situation here, go raise the dead. And you go raise the dead. And you come back and you take your seat. And it's all the same. Because what's important is your, your relationship with God. You're, dwell, you're having dinner with God. Or you're walking in the garden with God. And he says, go rake those leaves. And you go rake the leaves. And he says, go, go take a message to you know, your brother. And you go take a message to your brother. And he says, stop the, uh, you know, the drought you know, in Kenya whatever and you go do that and it's all the same now learning how your soul works and the abilities in your soul is what will equip you and make you ready to go speak a word to your brother to go rake the leaves and to go end the drought in Kenya so that's why that's important and that's why we, we don't want to be distracted away from having our soul fully active and ready and our abilities fully operating and have a comfort level with them. So hopefully that answers some questions. I keep on thinking I'm going to make some progress in my actual outline each, each time, and we're getting it, going to get there. I think I might just really just go through the next time, just go through what I have, and we'll maybe even get on to the next topic. But if you've got any questions, I want to make sure they're addressed and answered before we move to the next thing. So please drop me a line at dianeattherainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. But otherwise, we'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. <laughs>